Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. When we criminalize drug use, we actually increase stigma associated with the drug use. And, and what happens then? Uh, those who use drugs are more likely to engage in unsafe drug use practices and less likely to seek out help. There you go. Dr. Eileen DeVilla, Toronto's Medical Officer of Health, supports an approach based on compassion when it comes to drugs, wants to see the removal of legal penalties for small amounts of drugs and convene a task force to look at the possibility of regulating all drugs just like alcohol. Which, as I was saying, on a day like today, you sit out on the patio, shoot up, but you can't have a cigarette. So I don't know where this is going exactly, but I do know where we're going. We're introducing our panel on that topic and many more worthy of discussion. Mike Van Solen, a principal at Navigator. How's Mike? I'm doing really good, John. Great to be here. Great to have you here. Michael Diamond is the campaign strategist and political commentator who uh, was responsible for helping Doug Ford get elected. And uh, so we may or may not hold that against him with Upstream Strategy Group. How's Michael? I'm enjoying uh, a cheaper gas. How are you? Well, there you go. That's a start. You're just driving it into Councillor Perks. That's why I saved him to last. <laughs> Gord Perks from Parkdale High Park. How's the councillor? I'm well, Joan. How are you today? Well, likewise, fine as well. Uh, let me just start around the horn in the same order. Mike Van Solen, when we've got the chief medical officer of health, Mm -hmm. suggesting that, uh, you know, we, I guess it's a capitulation that the war on drugs has not worked. And uh, this is a public health issue, uh, a crisis, she calls it, rather than one, you know, that uh, deals with uh, criminality and such. And she cites statistics and empirical evidence that it, uh, like Insight out there in Vancouver and other such studies, it says it deters, you know, infectious diseases through shared needles, as well as the death count and blah, 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 blah. So uh, is it something worthy of consideration? Uh, worthy of consideration. I always think uh, looking about how, how we're dealing with these issues uh, makes sense. Uh, I'm a libertarian, uh, I suppose, at heart on these issues, and so uh, I'm not sure that sort of big government solutions and legalizing uh, all manner of drug uh, makes total sense. Uh, I'm certainly open to ideas about decriminalization, but you know, my view would be let's uh, let's see how the marijuana thing plays out. I am skeptical about some of the points that's offered. Uh, I know they suggest that uh, there's a stigma because it's illegal, but these are pretty hardcore drugs, and I'm not sure how much uh, stigma is really standing in the way of reaching out for help and getting needles and, do, and doing these things. And I also wonder when you move uh, down this road, you know, do, you know, maybe maybe we're we we're managing the drug better within the society, but is there just so much more of it? Uh, you know, I remember growing up in uh, or living in Niagara Falls when uh, gambling was legalized, and uh, you know, at the end of that, we 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 have legal gambling, uh, and at, and we have more gambling in the community. We had more gambling problems, right. and there was more tools to deal with those gambling problems, but. Um, so, so, grows so like Topsy. I'm not sold. All right, he's not. Michael Diamond, how about you? Yeah, definitely not sold. Uh, I don't think the uh, Chief Medical Officer of Health in Toronto has ever put out a statement or made a made a comment that hasn't upset me, so this is no different. <laughs> it's usually about sugary drinks and energy drinks and hookah smoke and uh, tobacco. So uh, if we're going to start looking at liberalizing things, let's allow uh, t- smoke cigarettes and cigars on uh, patios again. I would be uh, all for that. But uh, uh, look, on, on drug use, I'm not very comfortable with the route the federal government's 
going on cannabis and uh, would not want to see that extended further for sure. All right. But again, she sees it as a health crisis and therefore addresses drugs are a health crisis. I agree with her on that. Okay. uh, But she says deterrence uh, can only come about or I guess that's the wrong word. It would be uh, the best remediation is to legalize because interdiction is a failed policy. Yeah, I, I just don't think uh, you you solve a problem by just changing the laws around it. You have to actually uh, fight for what's right. And I think trying to save lives uh, through through rehab and other programs is a better out, uh, outlet. All right. To that point, and I mean, you know, the studies that have been cited besides Vancouver's east side, Portugal legalized yeah. drugs in 2001. So do you see this as a paradigm shift that's necessary, Gord Perks? It's absolutely necessary. Um, You mentioned Portugal. Portugal went down this road quite a few years ago, 15 years, I think. And they've seen both a decline in the number of drug-related deaths, but also a decline in the spread of HIV AIDS. Um, How about the use of drugs? uh, No significant change. Uh, That's what, what health policy worldwide is showing us. Um, Mike and, and so Michael, I'm, I'm, you guys are going to mess me up <laughs> yeah, today. Yeah. Mike and Michael both right. make points about uh, where we want to get to is people getting into treatment programs. Absolutely. But the first line of defense, we call it harm reduction, has to be keeping people alive long enough that they can get into treatment. I have had three people I know, three, one of them I knew since a kid that have died this year. What makes it different now is the fentanyl problem. Uh, yes, heroin has always been a problem and, and uh, it's something you don't want to spread. But we are seeing thousands of Canadians die because of this new element of fentanyl. And th- there is ironclad evidence that if you can lower the threshold of someone getting to a public health nurse, you can start to divert them into counseling and treatment. But as long as, you know, there's there's a wall, you can never get near that public health nurse in a safe injection facility or something like that. We can't, we aren't having as much success saving lives. So what you're saying is there's nothing but upside uh, to that whole thing, the proposal from uh, Ms. Davila. That's what the evidence says, yes. Agreed. Well, look, I mean, you, there's evidence on enforcement also. If you look at contraband tobacco, Quebec in 2000, and I believe it was nine, had the worst problem in Canada. They uh, brought in a, a change to uh, em- empower municipalities to participate in uh, the profit sharing on fines, for example. Use of contraband tobacco in Quebec has gone way down. Ontario now leads the pack in Canada for uh, uh, consumption on that. So I'd like to see a, a focus on enforcement. Mike Van Solen, I mean, uh, any other thing you wanted to add to this? <laughs> yeah. Obviously, you guys are, you know, uh, disparate points of view here. Yeah, no, I, I'm just concerned that, uh, it, you know, one, as a society, we're trying to digest a lot of change. You know, we didn't just make the step of decriminalizing marijuana. We actually made the step of legalizing it. And I think there's a lot to uh, flesh out uh, in the system there. Let's see Let's see where marijuana use goes. I, I don't know if it's a perfect indicator of where these other categories of drugs would go, but I think we should uh, at least have that play out, first of all. Um, and I I think there's other ways to, to allow people to seek the help that they need without saying that we're going to go holus bolus into a world where they're now all legal. Um, Too de- decriminalization is, is, is a, a, a minimum a responsible step to have a conversation about. Well, yeah, I think see. it's something we have to talk about. I think Mike, Mike's on the right path. It's something we really have to have an honest conversation about how this could work. Could work. And I'm not, you know, prejudging the conversation. I'm saying there's a lot of good evidence out there that if you, if you lower the barrier between the, the public health faci- services that are going to get people into treatment, into counseling for this very difficult road to get off opiates, it's not easy. 
um, then then we we have to start talking about what right. that would look like. And the and the concern for me to I think to, to balancing the two sides of it is: Are you also just lowering the barrier generally to access to the drug? Uh, it, you know, brought up the analogy of gambling in Niagara Falls. Right. Well, and illegality is a barrier for a lot of people. Like, there's a lot of activities so, I, will, I won't participate in because they're illegal. That works I, for me. <laughs> it may work for you, but, like, I, I actually chaired the city's task force on this for a decade. And all the evidence is that, that simply making something illegal does not reduce how much it's used. So marijuana smoking among young people, way prior to anybody talking about it being legal, the rates were increasing. You, right. you know that and, those teenage kids are out there doing that kind of stuff. What the problem we have now is the kid who's making that second experiment, and it's not a good one. You know, don't don't get on to opioids. But the kid who does that is doing it in an unsafe environment with a dirty needle. No one's ever talked to him about it. And if they have an overdose because there's fentanyl in it, no one there knows how to keep that kid alive. But Gord, let me ask you because you know this laissez-faire kind of approach to things. Uh, <laughs> take it for what it's worth, but the source was our friend Sue Ann Levy writing in The Sun saying, you know, she's gone down to these safe injection sites downtown like Victoria Street, and the neighbors are claiming bloody hells. It's Dante's Inferno down there. So I would actually direct her to go talk to some of the people who've got real experience with this, people in the Lower East Side in, Van- in Vancouver, uh, down, downtown East, uh, and some of the sites in Europe where, yes, there are some initial problems as people adjust, but what happens is... All the, you know, I can talk, I can talk to you about washrooms at McDonald's in, in various parts of the city. I can talk to you about parks that are full of needles. These things existed prior to having some kind of a managed relationship and those harms get reduced. You actually clean up the, the exposures in the community as a result of taking a more thoughtful so approach. So we're still in that transitory phase right now where it's uh, all hell down there, but it's going to get cleaner? Is that what you're saying? You're it is getting cleaner, the- but more importantly, it has already started getting cleaner in some of the illegal shooting alleys. Well, all right. Uh, we'll let that one pass for now. We'll come back. More topics worthy of discussion in a moment with our panel on The Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Looking at the experience from jurisdictions around the world that have taken a more public health, a more socially oriented approach, a more compassionate approach to drug use and drug policy, to learn from those jurisdictions, given that what we're currently doing is not only not working, but is also costing a lot of money. 